Hello and welcome to Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. I'm Justin Nielsen and it is Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. My middle child is turning 17 today, so happy birthday to her, Stella. Oh, and uh, also, we're going to have Arusha Pires, our weekly special guest, uh, who's always here with us from O'Neill Global Advisors, portfolio manager there. How you doing, Arusha? I'm doing well, Justin. Okay, and our really, really special guest today, uh, we're pleased to welcome back Scott Bennett from investingwithrules.com. He is, uh, he's just one of those market lovers out there. He's always trying to share his knowledge and uh, has a lot of great information, is doing studies all the time. But really, I guess to, to boil it down, one of the big things you do, Scott, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you look at what those billion dollar funds are doing, where they're moving their money, and you try and track that as best as possible and just kind of follow along on their coattails, right? That's correct. Thank you yeah. so much for having me back. It's an absolute pleasure to be back. Um, it's, it's true. I, I look and I study billion dollar fund managers, what they're buying, what they're selling in particular, the bigger, the better. Uh, let's go ahead and get started by doing a quick overview of the market. Uh, NASDAQ composite. I mean, wow, this has been like a 16% rise uh, since its March 14th bottom. And uh, while it got into a little bit of trouble today, uh, what's your overall take here, Scott? Yeah, so historically, the market has a lot of trouble heading into the first Fed rate hike, and that's exactly what we experienced. And then historically, two months after the first Fed rate hike, um, there's usually more pain, but we haven't experienced that. So that's been a, a nice change of pace. And then usually 12 months after that, usually the coast is historically pretty clear where you have a positive, positive market. So it'll be really interesting. Again, what I simply do is I look at what the billion dollar fund managers, what they're buying, what they're selling, follow the trend. And what I really noticed was back in January, it was a really clear trend of the sectors in particular that they were buying were energy, materials, and healthcare. The same thing happened in February, which was energy, materials, healthcare. And then March was a little bit different when I'm looking at the billion dollar reports from the 30 day lag. It was energy defensives, leisure and travel, and then a little bit more tech that came in, which was higher, sorry, lower PE tech, and then some mm -hmm. of the really beaten up names. So it's been really interesting, but obviously it's been a a challenging start to the year. Yeah, and well, it, it seems like it's still pretty consistent where they're not, they don't want to go towards any higher valuation type of stocks or any more growthy type of stocks. They're, they're still being a little bit more conservative and trying to stick more with uh, more reasonable valuations, right? That's what I've seen. Obviously, when we look at the data today, we're seeing that the year-over-year -year comparable, so we're going to be kind of going back into another earnings season coming up. And the hardest part is a year ago, it's hard to kind of imagine ourselves back in the pandemic a year ago. Yeah. And the we had the vaccines. This was pre-Delta variant, and there was mm. stimulus. So it's going to be a really hard year-over-year -year comparison. <laughs> yeah. um, I would also say the other thing that sticks out is we have a Fed that's tightening. So there's going to be a lot of headwinds all over the place. Mm -hmm. So getting back to the NASDAQ composite, uh, j just the index itself, uh, one of the things we were concerned about for a while was that we were looking at all these potential areas of resistance. You know, I mean, first it was we couldn't get back above the 21 day moving average line. Then it was like, oh, we've got the 50 day moving average line looming. Well, now we've got the 200 day line. Um, is that something that plays into your, uh, you know, in into any of your analysis at all? I do run for a confirmation bias. I run what I call a trend roadmap. And, right. and, and from that trend roadmap, so as we ha are making a really phenomenal bounce, is what I've done to kind of start the year, it, it led me to be more defensive. So January 5th was a day that I actually applied a hedge, um, specifically on the NASDAQ. Um, it, it's, it was hard. So I, I added the hedge, took it off. I, I officially removed it on March 8th and then 9th, I think that was the exact date, 8th and 9th. And then the 14th, which was the IBD marketing confirmed uptrend, that was that kind of undercut and rally day on the NASDAQ and small caps. And then just a few days later, it was kind of an all clear kind of, it's a bounce. So let's just partake. So the trend roadmap flashed a buy signal for me. 
Um, and so far, we're still in the bounce, and there's there hasn't been any reason to add some additional protection at this point. It's been a kind of a glorious bounce so far. Right. Yeah. What 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 did you see on around that March eighth, March seventh type of time frame to give you confidence to remove the edge at that point? Because that was like right near the lows. Now you're testing the that other previous low. Um, but did you see anything in in uh, particular that gave you the confidence to remove it? Yeah, there's a couple indicators I was looking at. So um, it, we we felt a little bit extended on the short side. I, I started to see some, what I'm actually going to cover in the second segment, which I'm really excited about, is there's, when I'm looking at one indicator, which is relative strength, and Investors Business Daily does just an incredible job at educating on relative strength. And what I'm looking for is very large movements in relative strength. And sometimes you can catch it on the NASDAQ or the S&P 500, but also if you can really catch it when you look at inverse funds, in particular like PSQ, the inverse of the NASDAQ, they tend to move because they're not directly correlated with the SPY or the basket of the IBD stocks. So I started to see kind of relative strength changes and that led me to say, you know what, we look really extended on the short side. It's time to at least remove hedging, um, which helps protect some of the stocks that the billion dollar funds are buying. And then from there, it, it was just a couple of days later that um, things certainly improved. So it was, the answer to your question is just relative strength changes, which I'm really excited to share more about. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, now, maybe uh, as you were talking a little bit, um, you know, again, let's just get back to the the March kind of anomaly here, um, how it was it was very different from what we've seen. And I, I would venture to say, again, not having studied your data completely, but I would venture to say a lot of that came at the latter part of March, uh, really in the in the last few weeks since we had that kind of March 14th bottom, uh, where tech started coming on a little bit stronger and and even the the reopening plays, as you were saying, with leisure and travel. So, um, you know, was was it kind of mid mid range that you were seeing that shift or were you getting even earlier indicators at the beginning of the month that uh, something was brewing in those areas? Um, so it's a good question. I, I, it's interesting because the indexes kind of tipped me off around the 17th that the coast was clear. So mm -hmm. I would say mid to kind of later March timeframe. Mm -hmm. um, but there were some areas of the market that, I mean, we, we know that energy didn't really have any issues whatsoever during the entire pullback. Right. Um, but there were some areas in healthcare. So I, more of the defensive names is what was giving me indicators that something's kind of changing guard. Um, so some names we're looking at, like some larger pharmaceutical names, some, um, some kind of consumer staples start to poke their head up. So it, it was just a little bit of, uh, some, some life was coming back into the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting because you say March 17th, and of course we had the follow through day on the S and P 500 on March 16th. Um, and again, that was, that was such a news Newsday. I mean, the, the the podcast that we did after the close, it was like, oh, I mean, we had five major, you know, news items, and it was it was like, where where do you even start? Um, and then, of course, the Nasdaq Composite had its follow through day shortly after on March 18th. Uh, of of course, volume was a little bit um, maybe skewed because we had a, a triple witching options expiration, so very heavy volume on the index that day uh, that that might have given us. Uh, a, 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 an extra push in volume, um, but we certainly had the price action on both of those. So your March 17th date, you know, right in the middle of those two. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I, I think so, some of the, the fall through information is so valuable that IBD produces. Um, my, my indicators are, are helpful too. It's just one of those things where um, it, it's hard when it's really, really hard after a market pullback to start deploying capital because <laughs> there's always this feeling that it, the, the next leg is coming. And and it's so, it also, you're absolutely right. With the options expiration, you had kind of short squeezes. You, you had mm -hmm. so much kind of happening so quickly. But these high multiple stocks really got hurt. And some of the balances were just incredible. And, and the news kept kind of spiraling up to the point where you know, the bad news wasn't treated as, as poorly anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say one thing here. We've had... We've had a pretty good run the last couple of weeks. And one thing that uh, is nice about it is we haven't had any distribution during that right. time, which surprised me. I thought that we'd probably get one at least within mm -hmm. the last couple of weeks. So so that that you know gives us a little bit of hope here. Now, obviously, we have to see how it handles the pullback. 
but uh, it's right near those critical resistance areas, as you can see right here on the, the NASDAQ. So I was off yesterday, but, uh, you know, as I was looking at what was going on during that day and af after the close and everything, uh, a couple things stuck out. Number one, the power of the day and the fact that we had volume. That means it's a subsequent follow through day. And to, to your point, you know, Scott, a lot of times it's helpful sometimes to have multiple indicators. You know, you might have one indicator that says, okay, yeah, I can start here. But then as you see more strength kind of build, oh, you know what? That gives you a little bit of confidence. It's almost like the market is giving you the feedback. Hey, what you're doing is working. You know, uh, it's, it's giving you a treat. Hey, you're a good boy. And that positive reinforcement like makes you put more money into the market. But um, yesterday, certainly we had that subsequent follow through day, which was interesting. All the characteristics of a follow through day, but we already had one, uh, so we didn't need it. But still, it's nice to see. And then also, you see these marked areas that we have on MarketSmith, um, you know, the lows and the highs. And that 14,509 was the last marked high that we had. And we did surpass that yesterday, you know, closed above it. Now, we, we were coming right back into that level today and closed below it. So now it's a question of whether that level, even before we get to the 200 day, whether that level might be an important level here. So um, let's go ahead and just real quickly, is there anything else on the market, uh, you know, whether it's your trend roadmap or um, the, the kind of broad overview of your, your billion dollar fund movement? Uh, anything else that you want to add on this, on this segment here? Uh, Scott? Yeah, I, I would just add one more thing. So every month I, I produce a report where I kind of see what the, the big boys and the big girls are buying and selling. So these huge fund managers and how they're doing. And, and what I've been kind of noticing is um, a lot more kind of a catch up buys. So it, okay. to me, it felt like they were late on energy. Um, so they were really bulked up quick. Um, mm -hmm. And it feels like they're a little late on materials um, and they're bulking up quick. Um, and just the areas of the market that traditionally really aren't always in the kind of the can slim characteristics that, that are maybe moving into can slim characteristics, um, but maybe they're not exactly there yet when you look at MarketSmith. So it's a really interesting time where um, I'm a little concerned. So it, it does shed some light of defensive nature. So I, I wonder if that, that's kind of what they're what they're thinking when I look at so many of these reports collectively. So, Scott, you know, the the. The interesting thing, though, with, with this, by going into energy and uh, materials, is uh, for a lot of these funds, if they're indexed against a certain benchmark, the the, ener the energy part might only be a few percent these days because energy got hammered over the you know over, over the last decade or so. Uh, so it is kind of interesting that they are starting to move into it. Uh, because it hasn't been such a large part of their benchmark. I wonder if that's going to change everything or maybe increase it a little bit. Yeah, and it, it could lead to, it could go higher than we think it could go. Right, yeah. So, so it, it'll be interesting to see how that works, because I think that was one of the constraints why they didn't want to necessarily go into it before, because it wasn't just a large part of their, their benchmark before. So they're always being compared against the benchmark. So if the benchmark doesn't have a huge percentage of energy, they can't have a huge percentage of energy in their fund. Yeah, there's always that risk of sticking your neck out. You know, right. you you vary too far from the the sector uh, weights of your benchmark, and um, it works out great if you if you're right. But if you're wrong, man, you you get clobbered. Yep. <laughs> so when we come back, we're going to get a little bit more into some of the recent research that Scott Bennett has done. So we hope you stay tuned for that because we can't wait to hear his take on the relative strength. Stay tuned. Wondering how to navigate market volatility in this unprecedented time? Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how machine learning technology can forecast stock market trends up to three days in advance with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. Vantage Point's artificial intelligence analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Don't trade harder, trade smarter. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com and see a free live demo today. Limited time only. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Okay, welcome back to Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen here along with Arusha Pires and our special guest, Scott Bennett from investingwithrules.com. So Scott, uh, you've, you've had some time to kind of 
do a little bit of extra research. And I, I mean, I'm sure you're always doing research, always looking for uh, any little edge that you can get in the market, always learning. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you found uh, as you were looking at some of the, the relative strength uh, ratings and information there. Absolutely. So happy to. And so my primary research is looking at what these billion dollar fund managers are buying and selling. The second is looking at the trend. Um, what this is going to be really helpful, I truly hope, is to help deliver a little bit more confidence when it's time to either kind of bring things to the top of your watch list and or when it's time to deploy some capital or take some off. So uh, looking at some of the slides I prepared. So um, so there's a, a topic that I want to cover, and it's I, I hope it's interesting. It's I call it relative strength spikes and relative strength slams. And what I'm specifically looking at are when a the relative strength number or the line from Investor Business Daily, and I'm just so grateful for this is part of the CanSlim process and where I learned this so many years ago, it's still so relevant today. And what I'm looking at is if you look at whether it's your stock or your ETF, I'm gonna focus more on ETFs today. It's a point to point. So from a week to week, what is the number of your relative strength of your investment and how has it changed? And what's really interesting is we have to be above a certain threshold, but when it moves by 20% up um, or greater, greater the better, that we'll call that a spike. And when it, mm -hmm. and it sinks or falls, we'll call that a slam by more than 20%. And what this is gonna help you do is to determine are you in the right merchandise and, and are the trends changing? So if we move over to the very next slide. So again, well, you know what, before you get there, the... before you get there, Scott, I, yeah. I just want to make sure that I we, we just kind of um, uh, briefly define the, the the terms that you're using, you know, for those that might not be familiar, uh, the relative strength rating uh, that we use in IBD. This is this is a price performance rating and it's uh, a percentile rating. So the higher the number, the the higher the percentile. So a 99 is the best you can have. That means it's that particular stock has outperformed 99% of all the other stocks in our database over a 12 month period. Um, that's, that's usually what we're gonna be showing. And I just wanna make a quick distinction too, that the relative strength line is, um, is related but different. Uh, and in that it's, it's showing relative strength, but the relative strength line is versus the S&P 500. So uh, sometimes you, know, you can get something that is actually going down but it can have the relative strength line going up if it's just outperforming the S&P 500. So uh, that's that, that's what the two two aspects that you're looking at here. So uh, go ahead and continue uh, with what you. you well, and, and before before Scott comes back on, one last distinction: the R relative strength is not the same thing as the RSI, right. the relative strength indicator, which is yes. an oscillator uh, mm -hmm. uh, comparing the stock's momentum against itself. Whereas we're comparing the stock against the the whole database or the S and P five hundred. Mm -hmm. So with the definitions out of the way, okay, back <laughs> you, to you, Scott. <laughs> you beat me to it, Rusha. Can you turn the, to the next slide for me? Sure. So um, this is just like I think it was a great webinar from IBD, which is how to handle a tricky market that just recently came out. But again, um, relative strength up, down, or the only thing that's really interesting also is when a relative strength is kind of moving sideways. It's just simply mm -hmm. it kind of moving along with the collective basket that IBD is tracking. Mm -hmm. So if we if we move to the next, um, um, again, I, I, I don't get paid a nickel, but I use so many of IBD services, but to get these <laughs> ratings, you have to be a subscriber. So whether it's IBD Digital or some of their others, I, I, I really love MarketSmith. So it's one of those things where you, to get these ratings that are gonna be so helpful, you, you have to be a member. So well, there's so many the places plug. to find it on IBD. <laughs> And then, so I'm going to start with, so what's really interesting is during the coronavirus time period, um, I drew a red box. And what I'm simply looking at is the QQQ or the NASDAQ 100. And what's really interesting, because this is relative strength compared to the basket of the IBD index, um, it's going to move. It's not going to move. It's going to move sideways. So even though there was a massive really pullback during the the 2020, the 2020 pullback of the coronavirus, um, it, the RS line is not, the RS rating is not going to change. It's going to move sideways. So the way to figure out when the pain is starting, if you move to the next, is to use the inverse. So the PSQ is the exact one times inverse of the NASDAQ 
100. And you'll notice just how drastic the RS movement is. And if you move to the next one, here is where you're going to start to see some of the numbers move. Now, the one caveat that I want to share is I kind of draw a line in the sand at an, at an RS rating of 25. Anything below it is a little bit like bottom fishing. It's a little noisy. Um, it's not always clear, but anything above 25, that's usually where the trend has truly changed character. And if we move to the next one, you're going to start to see some RS spikes and RS slams. And you actually would have seen your very first one in February 28th of 2020. So we know that the market really kind of peeled, kind of got out of hand, usually in the March timeframe. And then, so it was a 209% week over week change in the PSQ. So this like massive spike happened. You got another one on March 13th, 107% spike. And then, then we, we know how fast the market moved down at that point. So because the PSQ is going up, that obviously means the stock market's getting really hit hard. So I'm going to stop there. And then once you started to see all of these kind of slams happened starting in April, so it was the, the 9th, then you got several in May, and then it was over. That huge pullback that happened in the market during the coronavirus crash, um, it was a really quick live time to short, which is why shorting so hard. Right, and right. you could see these spikes and these slams. So if someone was concerned this would have been a tell and if someone was shorting there's so many like red red alerts to get stop shorting and get out and move back to the sidelines or start buying again so i'll stop there but that is where i saw a lot of this action happen during the coronavirus time frame and that would help help me to add a lot of protection mm -hmm. and, and so and and so this was you're analyzing only during the 2020 though right because it looks like when you go back to 2021 you have the, the spikes and all that kind of the slams can, again can you move to the next one so okay, i'm jumping ahead yeah oh you're perfect so, <laughs> so here is more recently so you'll start to see um on the psq again so on january 19th of 2022 a plus 40 percent spike week over week in the rs rating then 110. So you know something's not right. You got two in a row. Um, you got a little bit of a kind of a head fake. And then you got two more. So it jumped 45% on February 8th, 35% on February 23rd. And then we, we kind of started cooling off again. So you, you kind of see how it almost not much happened in the PSQ from a relative strength movement from the 2020 up until more recently. Right. So I just, when I saw this information, I was like, wow, like again, time to protect. Um, and then mm -hmm. I started protecting on March 5th, but the, the very first tell, um, which was really interesting, was kind of, was all the way back in January and February that there's all these like uh, warning alerts where it's happening. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as you said, it is a little interesting that, you know, as opposed to what happened in 2020, you kind of had that little blip, the negative 35%. Um, in the middle of that, you know, four, four big up uh, moves. Uh, and I wonder if that corresponded maybe to like the January 24th bottom, would you say? That's a good point. Yeah. And then um, that negative 42%, was that, that maybe the uh, February 24th uh, bottom? Uh, well, it wasn't the ultimate bottom for the NASDAQ, you know, because it did undercut. But that's where the S&P 500 had its, its, its reversal on February 24th. Am I lining up the, the weeks right? Yeah. So the negative 42 was March 22nd. Um, so just recently here. Oh, okay. Um, and then it sunk even further this week. So it's it's telling you that the coast is clear. The, the This kind of another slam is happening this week. Fun mm -hmm. little acronyms that I call them. But I would just say that it's... Um, We'll, we'll see what's going to happen now because we've just run up so fast, so quick. So you're going to, when you see these, it sometimes correlates to these gap ups and sometimes mm -hmm. it doesn't because relative strength is relative to the basket of other stocks. So not necessarily. Um, so mm -hmm. um, it is sometimes correlated to kind of gap ups and gap downs, but not necessarily. But um, this is just a kind of a quick tell. So if you, what I would always say is at least once a week, it's time for you to download your stock or your ETF uh, relative strength ratings and see, okay, well, what changed and should I be alerted? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just and very quickly for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you definitely want to co- go to investors.com/podcast <laughs> and watch the video version because you can you can uh, you know Scott put all these really nice slides together to illustrate what what he's talking about here, and it, it is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And just remember, you know, we're 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 looking at an inverse too. So in this case, um, would you say the the green the green is kind of your bad, right? And your your red is kind of your good. Um, in this case, yes. So it's confusing. Yeah. And the only reason I'm doing this simply is because um, the QQQ is so heavily correlated to the basket of IBD stocks. So it's not going to tell you as much information. But if we move to the next slide, I think this will make a lot more sense where if we go one more. So here's IYE, which is a basket of energy stocks. And I got my very first, You kind of it, it kind of like peaked up really quick above the 25 RS line and then kind of sunk back down. But on... December 11th of 2020, you received 217% week over week change in RS. And then it was kind of just off to the races. So if you remember back now, it's kind of funny to think, but the oil contracts were, were negative, the, the cost right. of yeah. it, and it was just so unwanted. So yeah. you, you had to we will pay you to take our oil, help, help us get this off our hand. Um, yeah. And now everyone wants it. So um, but it's interesting at the end of 2020, so the end of the year, finally, you start to see oil kind of change character. And then you saw so many more spikes. So you saw them um, in January 8th of 2021, January 15th, and in February of 2021. So, and now the RS line has gone all the way until up until like 96 as of this week. So there is absolutely no reason to let go of your energy at this point. Um, obviously there's, it could change character at any moment, but so far, um, it's been a fantastic trend for the last call it, um, year and a half. Well, and that first 217%, um, you know, what started it all that was as, you know, as you mentioned earlier, that was right after this dramatic shift after what we call vaccine day, right? November 9th, 2020. Um, which also you had the presidential election uh, right around you know the same time, so you had these two two major events going on, and you know shortly after is when you saw this big shift kind of out of the uh, the zoom uh, the zoom video and and things like that. Um, a lot of the uh, the the testing. I remember what was the what was the testing uh, one that just like got slammed um, on vaccine day, but a lot of the things that were driving the 2020 market. Quite shifted. Out. Yeah, quite out. That's that's right. And then um, a lot of those things shifted and it, it was it was a whole brand new. This is what's working now. And it was a lot of energy, a lot of commodities, a lot of materials, um, you know, coming coming to the forefront. And my last example, I hope it's helpful if we move probably two for me is I actually had a few members. It's always fun to try to find a deal. But if we look at Russian stocks, which have been obviously taking all kind of humanitarian effort and information aside, just simply investments. So RSX is a a basket of Russian stocks. And what's really interesting is you can see how the RS rating peaked where I circled it. And then you saw on December 8th, a negative 36% RS slam, then January 12th, negative 26, uh, February 16th, negative 26, negative 81. And then the invasion actually happened on the 24th. So if you go one more slide for me, um, and then it just like, it kind of went out of hand. So, So what's really interesting is all of these RS slams we're telling you something's really wrong well before the invasion. So it, obviously catching a falling knife is what a lot of people say is really dangerous. So when it comes to these situations, when you are looking for a change in trend character, obviously we all like to buy value. We all like to buy things on sale, but you really wanna see some version of an RS kind of a surge or a spike back up before you start deploying capital because it could get a lot worse as people who own this experience. No, that's, that, this is pretty interesting uh, how many slams there were before yeah. the, the invasion. That That's actually very, very surprising. Mm-hmm. 
And and I, I think it's also interesting that you're kind of uh, taking some of the extreme cases. You know, again, you're 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 putting a pretty high mark. You know, a twenty percent move in the relative strength rating. That that's just not something you see very frequently. You know, it, it's it's something that has to be uh, pretty pretty substantial to move that much. So um, it's you know, as you said, it's kind of when that maybe critical critical change is happening. Um, now. Let me ask you, Scott, how far back have you kind of um, looked at this? I mean, a lot of people would say, okay, gosh, you know, 2020 uh, has been what was a very unusual year. Um, you know, we, we had a pretty unusual year in 2021 that it was driven by uh, very few stocks kind of driving things forward, whereas the bulk were not doing so well. And now here we have 2022. Uh, some would argue is a very unusual year, too, where we're going to be dealing with uh Fed tightening, quantitative easing going away, uh, not to mention a Russian, <laughs> Russian and Ukraine situation, inflation, uh, gosh, all these things. Um, so, I, I mean, do you have any other, I guess, time periods that you can look at for precedence uh, in, in what many look at as unprecedented times? Um, great question. I swear I have some semblance of a social life, but the... Um, <laughs> Not much, but I have been doing this for probably about three to four years now. So okay. unfortunately, the data set is is what it is. Um, mm -hmm. I really wish I've been doing it longer. And there were times where I said to myself, like, gosh, this is kind of a quick, tedious thing where I, I just automated it. You just kind of drop it in and off it calculates. But I, I, I don't have kind of kind of a further back test of this. I have other ways to do that. I, I wish I could. I Sometimes I look at some of the, the RS line and I wish it was a little bit kind of a more manipulative where I could kind of play around with it. But mm. I, I would say that um, I, it will catch big moves. If you own a stock, I, so the, the answer is not exactly, but I, I, would, I would say that a lot of the time it's really kind of counterintuitive to buy a gap up. So when a stock has this massive volume after earnings typically, and it gaps up, it's like this, it's psychologically, we always want to buy when it's low, but sometimes we, the buy, the viable gap ups jump and they keep climbing. And right. I think this is just another example of that, where there, there's a, a change in character. There's, there's definitely strength coming in and I just, it needs to be on your radar, even though it might not feel so normal. Um, this is a part of a process that can be incredibly kind of beneficial to your system. What about uh, looking at like a three-month or six-month RS ratings? Because those are also in uh, MarketSmith. H have you ever played around with those? That might even give a little bit more sensitivity. I do look at month to month. So okay. I hope it's helpful. So I just looked uh, this morning. So um, the monthly bigger moves this past month, um, some people like it. Some people don't like the crypto space. But um, I patiently wait for pullbacks on all these, but Ethereum this past month over month jumped 236%. That was ETHE, the grayscale mm -hmm. product. Mm -hmm. um, Silver Junior Miners jumped 110% this past month. Um, what other other items were Solar Tan jumped uh, 83% this past month, and Gold Junior Miners were jumping 72%. So I do Is look month to month, um, and when I sometimes the month to month is helpful, but I, I like to see more of like a consolidation because you've, mm -hmm. you have had four really good weeks typically of strength. So there's usually a typical pullback to some degree. Um, mm -hmm. So I haven't looked at three months. That's something I'll have to uh, add to my process over time. Mm -hmm. And what I really like about the idea behind it is, you know, you're looking at the numbers and kind of to your point that you said earlier, sometimes uh, the numbers will will tell you to do something that seems uncomfortable and it seems counterintuitive, but I think that's where uh, the idea, well, behind your whole website, Invest With Rules, you know, these rules will sometimes be in there and if you can kind of get the confidence in your rules, um, that can help you kind of pull the trigger on some things where it is counterintuitive or it doesn't feel right, or especially because so many people want to buy those things on sale and everything. Whereas we're often suggesting, no, you want to, you know, you want to buy things as they're making new highs and everything like that, which uh, a lot of people, you know, again, think of as being counterintuitive. So very interesting stuff, Scott. Um, we will uh, let, let, let people 
have a chance to digest all this information. And when we come back, uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about a few stocks and ETFs that are on your radar. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Wondering how to navigate market volatility in this unprecedented time? Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how machine learning technology can forecast stock market trends up to three days in advance with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. Vantage Point's artificial intelligence analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Don't trade harder, trade smarter. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com and see a free live demo today. Limited time only. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Welcome back to Investing with IBD, sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen, your host here, along with my special guest every week, so maybe not so special, Arusha Pires from O'Neill Global Advisors, Portfolio Manager, and our really, really special guest, Scott Bennett from investingwithrules.com. So, uh, Scott, you were talking a little bit before about some of the areas that you saw uh, some of the billion dollar funds moving into, and one of them was healthcare. So that's been an interesting one because you have some of the biotechs, you know, in there that uh, it's been a little bit mixed, but uh, what what areas have you seen showing some strength and any stocks on your radar? Yeah, and, and certainly we're, we're filming at a time where the market has come up a lot from the March 14th uh, buy. So that, that kind of, that big swing. So everything's a little potentially extended. So always be cautious. Um, but the very first one I saw billion dollar fund managers accumulating was Vertex, VRTX. And really what I saw is um, in January, just a meager $18 million worth of shares purchased. In February, a really sizable $247 million worth of shares. And then March, $225 million worth of shares. So um, a lot of these billion dollar fund managers must like the outlook of their cystic fibrosis drugs, type 1 diabetes, kidney disease. So they have a, a large pipeline and it's a nice place to hide during tougher times. Yeah, and you can see this one's really trading perfectly from the initial parts where you started picking it up through looking at the, the billion dollar purchases, came back in, found support on the 50, built a cup, just broke out of it. Uh, and so overall, over the la really over the last few months, it's you know, if you're looking at it through your lens, Scott, where you're picking up the the billion dollar funds by looking through holdings, or if you if you're looking at just kind of the price and volume action, it's telling you that it's being accumulated. Yeah, and if you look at a weekly chart too, it looks like it wants to head back to all time highs, and it's still in the uh, market Smith buy range, which is great. It's just uh, um, an area of the market where whether it's geopolitical tension or kind of slowing business and consumer confidence, this is, you still need healthcare and this is a place where large funds can go and hide. Mm -hmm. Well, and you mentioned uh, some of the valuation issues uh, before that there was a gravitation towards things with maybe better valuations. And this, even after this run from its bottom, still only has a PE of 20, uh, which is, is below the S&P 500. Um, and it's also, this is one that we actually do have on leaderboard. You know, we've had this on for a little while as it came out of that bottoming base. Um, but one question I have is uh, when, when you're starting to see these funds move their money into a stock, how long does that move usually last? Do you have any indication of that? Because, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, well, gosh, they, they, they moved over the last three months. Is it is it over now or is it just the beginning? Um, it's a really good question. It's, it's something that I just watch every single month. So it, it's so hard to tell where I help members is if there is a change of course, where if it does go from buying to selling, um, I usually give it at least two consecutive months of change, but I also want to make sure it's large selling versus just selling. Cause this is a pretty liquid name. So in, in this capacity, to me, it looks like this is, um, it possibly may simply continue given where the economic data might be heading. Um, and again, this is something where um, if the data changes, I'll change, but so far it, it still looks appealing and there's a lot of institutional support here. Great. Well, uh, let's go ahead and shift over to another area because uh, retail is another one of these kind of areas where 
Uh, it seems like there's a lot of retail that's getting killed, um, but there's there's some areas that are kind of picking up uh, and, and looking a little interesting. So do you have anything in that area? Yeah, another area where I think a lot of funds are hiding, and I'm naturally more of a can slim investor. I, I like big numbers and big growth, but it's just possibly maybe not the time at the moment. So uh, Dollar Tree, DLTR, is where um, just last month on the report, $112 million worth of shares were added. Um, they've structurally changed a lot. They have a little bit of an activist um, kind of disrupting the board. And we've seen them go from a dollar pricing goods to a dollar twenty-five, and and really encouraging more people to buy in bulk. Um, and they still typically have some of the best deals out there for some of the most more common items. So if times do get tough, um, obviously inflation's affecting the goods they make, the goods they ship that ship into the stores. But people are always still looking for a, um, as everything else is going up in price, a dollar twenty-five. Obviously, it's a twenty-five percent jump, but it's one of those things where. Um, it's still a place where funds can go um, see some safety um, and some protection and again, a relatively lower PE ratio. Yeah, this is very similar to the Vertex where it came back, it tested support around the 50 day and since bouncing off, it broke out of a base and it's just just steadily kind of accumulating here. So you kind of see that same uh kind of characteristics of, of accumulation, both in the price and volume action and also the institutions uh, coming into it. Now, one thing that, you know, when I hear Dollar Tree, that it, it does remind me uh, back, I think it was, and Justin probably remember this, but it's probably 2011 or so, uh, where the markets were choppier and, and the, out, the economic outlook wasn't necessarily too great at that point. And I think I remember uh, Bill O'Neill highlighting this one, uh, and, and and saying the same thing, you know, if, if the economy starts getting worse, you know, you, you're going to look at more of a Dollar Tree and stuff like that, and and showing the same kind of can slim characteristics, but kind of adjusted towards when the the economy isn't necessarily doing so great. Right, the recessionary time period. Um, you know, AutoZone was another one that was on his radar uh, at that point. I think this was like 2010, 2011. Um, you did have those global recession fears, and so yeah, uh, it, it does kind of shift your thinking and and where where you gravitate your your searches sometimes because you'll see these entire groups move together, and then yeah. it's just a matter of picking picking the winner. So Scott, um, you know, because again, you're you're kind of immersed in a lot of the cancelum stuff and one of the things that has been a little bit tricky is um looking forward at you know the, the the fundamentals on some of these and so i'm noticing that i mean there's a lot of red in the last few quarters on the earnings uh here and the the revenue growth is a little anemic um now you do have a story here as you mentioned that activist investor uh you know get, getting getting kind of a little bit of uh you know, more control and, and potentially pushing things. Um, so how, how do those numbers uh, fare in your, in your overall analysis when you're seeing year over year declines in the, in the profits and, and, and mediocre in the, in the revenue? Yeah, it, it's, it's hard because um, it, everything in me wants to just say, okay, wait for better merchandise. But mm -hmm. th there's, I, it's hard because we just saw a really difficult market for almost all of 2022, where January was tough, February was tough, but there's always names going up. There's always great merchandise. And whether we saw energy materials do well, we saw some staples do well, this is just an area where even though it, like, building cash and being protective is always really important, there's there's a lot of opportunity out there that can still do well despite the numbers are a little ugly on the screen. And again, there's power behind billion dollar fund managers hiding and going yeah. to sectors that you wouldn't think they would be that excited about because we're always so used to them kind of paying for future earnings and paying for exciting sales, but they also want to be the first one in the door to get something safe and where, where to hide because some of these fund managers they don't short, they, they can only be long, they have to be fully invested and they have to go to places where it's really safe. And then I, I did the uh, Peter Lynch as well. So I brought my uh, two and a half year old son to Dollar Tree just to kind of walk around and, and the guy loved it. So he was having a ball buying <laughs> That's it. Great. He put as much as he humanly could into the uh, the cart. So it was, um, kids like it. And even if you'll visit the store in which you're purchasing, it, it's, it, it's one of those things where it, it, it was a, a pleasant surprise all over the place. 
Very good. Okay, let's go ahead and round out the conversation. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned is that there has been uh, kind of a resurgence in a number of tech names. And it's it's been kind of interesting because you've had certain tech names that have actually held up a little bit better. Their relative strength has been a little bit stronger. But then you have these other names where it's these beaten down things that were coming up really sharply off the bottom. So uh, what's what's your take on tech now and, and what are you seeing uh, in terms of the movement of funds? Yeah, so again, definitely seeing uh, still a demand for low price to earnings tech, but then there's also some names that they really want and a lot of them have the sales and have the earnings. And one really good example, today was ugly, but Global Foundries, GFS, and there's still a massive supply chain issues around semiconductors and chips. And we're starting to see after this geopolitical tension an awful lot of deglobalization. So make more items here in the United States. And in upstate New York, they're making a million of these chips uh, pretty much every day. And the demand is 10 times that. So when I look at something like Global Foundries, I've seen consistently in January $100 million purchased. Um, and then February, $62 million purchased. And then March, $132 million worth of shares purchased. So when this is pulling back, and for most people, if you bought the kind of the kind of cup and handle breakout, um, it looks to me like it's now forming the handle. Um, and it's choppy because it's an IPO, uh, but they have some really sizable growth numbers. And this is something where if they get the catalyst of Washington, D.C. to enact the chips for America act or not, they still have great numbers. Yeah, I actually tried this uh, yesterday after it put that nice little hammer shakeout in. Uh, but I bought small because I knew that it was going to be a volatile <laughs> stock and I was forced out of it today. Uh, and, you know, this is just more testing to, to give me an idea that, you know, are some of these kind of uh, more techie type of stocks, high, uh, higher valuation type of stocks, is it their time? And not yet, not yet, but uh, it's definitely one that's acting well and uh, you want to keep it on the, uh, definitely on the radar. It reminds me a little bit like we're, it's a little choppier, but like when you look at a chart of the Dutch bros, BRS, and yes. it's um, it's such an exciting company. It's They sell a fantastic uh, addicting beverage. And then <laughs> you, you see it make these like big runs and then these pullbacks. And it, it reminds me a little bit of that. And then you yep. just had a massive week this past week in Dutch bros. And to me, it, to me, it feels like you're going to be, there's a, a bottom of institutional support so just don't take this one fully off your radar. Mm -hmm. And 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 just you know, since since you brought it up, um, is this one where you are seeing the funds? Because a lot of times, uh, sometimes it's hard because you look at it, and this is one that I just saw all over Twitter. It was like everyone was kind of talking about, it and it's like, is this is this the institutions that are pushing this up, or is this like a becoming a meme stock, you know, type thing, because everyone just seemed, especially can slim folks, you know, where it just seemed like something was exciting people to a, a large degree. Um, so was this something that you were seeing kind of the, the fund, the funds uh, picking up shares? I did at the end of last year. So in 2021, I, I did. Um, I, it hasn't, I guess I would say inconclusive to start okay. 2022. Um, so uh, there was a little bit, I believe it was on the January re report, and then it's kind of just holding. So I haven't really seen much adding or subtracting. It's just kind of people hold their positions. Um, I think maybe it's a little bit of the environment they're in. And this is mm -hmm. a type of a stock that uh, higher multiple, but they're growing and they're meeting the, the kind of the store growth demand that they stated. So there's a chance that um, when maybe later in the year, when some of the year-over-year -year comparables are a little bit kinder, this is a yeah. stock that could really get going. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, with with these, you know, restaurants and chains and stuff like that, it's really about that expansion level. I mean, it, you know, I always think of uh, I had really good success in Chipotle Mexican Grill in 2010, where it just was this steady incline because they were just opening the stores, opening the stores. Um, but w one other question I did have, you know, because you just brought up G GFS and Bros. Um, any Anything that you handle differently with IPOs? Um, or is it just like, hey, the numbers are the numbers. If the funds are getting in there, uh, that's that's good enough for me. 
Um, IPOs are a little trickier. Obviously, they're more exciting, um, but IPOs are trickier where I have seen historically some funds kind of go in and then kind of either test the position like we do, but they're playing with a lot more money and they mm -hmm. can pull back out and they sometimes wait. And I know um, there's, I know Kathy Donnelly and her team did such great research on IPOs um, in the, the life cycle trade, but it's one of those things where that due diligence phase is real. And yeah. sometimes they don't go, I mean, it's hard for them to get to a position size where um, they, it takes them a while to get there. And sometimes they're a little bit more cautious at the beginning. So we've seen that with um, a good example of that is like an Airbnb. We all know the story. We all probably stayed in one. Um, but when coronavirus keeps popping up and not popping up, um, it's just been a, it's been a really choppy road. And again, once the, uh, there's so much demand for travel and leisure and you're starting to see it come with these, I mean, just recently we saw a spike on a week over week. So you're, yeah. it wouldn't shock me to see a lot of these travel and leisure names start to jump. But again, IPOs are obviously trickier, um, but this could be types of names where um, you could see institutional funds come back in. And um, I wanna see consistency is really what I'm looking for. And I guess sometimes that's a little bit hard, especially in a news-driven environment where um, it seemed like, you know, I mean, first of all, with this this whole space in in leisure and travel and the reopening, um, it was a matter of coronavirus news coming out and like, okay, this is this is going to put a damper on people traveling and and so on. Um, you know, when when you're dealing with a new situation like that, does that does that come into your equation at all? Um. It, it it does. I obviously I, I keep up with the storylines for members of Invest with Rules. So I, I always want to keep people up to date on what's going on with the stock. How did the earnings look? Are there any news or catalysts? Um, but really what I get really excited for at the end of every single month, um, as it's slowly getting warmer here, is I get a new report. I get a new batch of information. I want to see what they're buying. I want to see massive share accumulation. And then from there, um, I, I share as much as I humanly can because I want to see people do do really well. Well, it was great having you on the show again, Scott. Uh, Scott Bennett, I really appreciate it. Um, for people that want more information, of course, they can go to investwithrules.com. Uh, check out some of your stuff. Any any other place that they should go to learn more about you? Um, that's the best. So you, what I'll typically do is I'll deliver a video at least once a month, kind of talk about the trends, talk about some things that I'm seeing. That's usually short, 10 minutes or less. Uh, if you're looking for more, but investwithrules.com, I'd love to have you join. Yeah, wonderful. Well, again, thanks a lot for showing up. We really appreciate all the research you put in here. Thanks. Uh -huh. And on the show next time, we are going to have Jeremy Capron from Robo Global. He's the director of research over there. He's going to be coming back on the show, so it's going to be great to talk with him, maybe get some of the stories behind some of the things in artificial intelligence and automation and all of those things that Robo Global is looking at. So we can't wait to have him back. Thank you very much for joining us this week, and we hope you have a great trading week. We'll see you next time. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.